Hello, my name is Chloe Tonis, and welcome to this week's episode of Bite Sized Cybercrime, the podcast where we cover cybercrime, cybercriminals, and sometimes a bit of cyber defense. Today we have a really interesting topic to cover, which is the case of a group of hackers themselves being tricked. These types of stories always fascinate me, probably because you'd typically think hackers would kind of have it together when they're creating malware. But as it so turns out, malware is just software, and like any other software, it can have vulnerabilities. I also really like the gratification of hackers themselves getting a taste of their own medicine. We have a lot to discuss, so let's just get right into it. The ransomware group we're talking about today is called Deadbolt, and I actually almost made a few episodes about them, but I found other topics to cover instead those weeks, so I've been waiting to cover these guys for some time, and today I get my chance. Deadbolt is a ransomware group active since January of 2022, and it was most well known for encrypting thousands of QNAP and SSStore network-attached storage devices. A network-attached storage device, or a NAS, is, well, it's a storage device like a hard drive that is accessed through a network. A NAS often includes multiple hard drives or solid-state drives for a bunch of extra storage compared to, well, one. But if your workplace has a share drive where different people can drop files to easily share them over the network, that's probably using a NAS. The Deadbolt ransomware made its entry through a zero-day vulnerability, which is a type of vulnerability that has never been seen until it's been exploited. This happened in the cases of both QNAP and Assessor, and QNAP eventually patched their vulnerability, forced the updates to all their devices, and then a new one came up and then they patched that. QNAP also suggested to its users that these devices should never be exposed to the internet, which I completely agree with. However, I would like to point out that these devices don't have to be internet-facing to have ransomware deployed on them. If access to an internal network is gained, either through a misconfiguration or phishing, the ransomware can still be placed on the storage device. However, it is never a bad practice to keep these types of devices out of the reach of the internet. The ransomware demanded a payment equivalent to a thousand US dollars in Bitcoin for each individual user. However, interestingly enough, for five Bitcoin, the Deadbolt campaign offered to provide details of the vulnerability to QNAP. If you don't pay attention to crypto prices, five Bitcoin may not sound like a lot, but that's actually $187,000. However, given that this and other vulnerabilities have been patched, this offer still likely is not on the table, but Deadbolt has some other interesting offers as well. For the high, high price of 50 Bitcoin, which is 1.8 million US dollars, Deadbolt claimed they would provide full vulnerability details and a master decryption key that could decrypt any device encrypted by Deadbolt's ransomware. These are very interesting things to be offered. I don't know if I've quite seen anything like this offered by a different ransomware. Of course, people are very unlikely to pay these premiums so that QNAP is aware of their vulnerabilities and so that everyone else can decrypt their files. However, these aren't even the most interesting things about the payment mechanism. In fact, the entire vulnerability in Deadbolt software was the payment mechanism. After you pay the ransom, Deadbolt creates a transaction to a Bitcoin address which contains the decryption key for you, the victim. When you, the victim, enter the key, it's converted to a SHA-256 hash. A hash is a one-way encryption algorithm often used for password storage. It turns the text into a specific string of random characters. In the case of SHA-256, the string is, well, 256 bits long. However, SHA-256 is actually represented in hexadecimal, and in that form it's only 64 hex characters long. Anyways, the same input text will always result in the same output hash. So if you compare two hashes and they are the same, that checks the integrity and confirm these are exactly the same. 
Either way, you make the payment, you get the key, you enter the key in, and all your files are returned to you. Paying a ransomware usually isn't necessarily guaranteed to get your stuff back, but Deadbolt was nice. They would actually get your files back. In fact, they'd send the key over right away. And in this case, their timing for sending the key was just too quick. The Dutch National Police teamed up with a cybersecurity group called Responders NU. And they found a loophole, or what I'm calling a vulnerability, in the ransomware. If you paid for the transaction, but that transaction was not recorded in a blockchain block right away, and you made a different transaction, basically undoing that transaction that was a higher priority, that transaction would get registered first, you would pay nothing, and the ransomware did not actually confirm that the transaction went through without a hitch. The transaction was effectively cancelled, but the key was still handed over. The Dutch police, of course, rushed and did this exact same thing for 155 victims, because they knew that Deadbolt would very quickly figure out that they were not getting paid. The 155 victims made up a whopping 90% of victims who reported the attack to the police. That is a lot of money that the ransomware gang is not getting. A small transaction fee had to be paid to actually perform the transaction, as well as the separate transaction that effectively cancelled out the first one, but this was minuscule compared to the original 155,000 US dollars that would have had to have been paid had the people actually decrypted this manually. The Deadbolt gang, of course, quickly realized their mistake and updated the ransomware to require a double confirmation before releasing the keys, but man, was that a lot of lost money for an embarrassing mistake. Victims can now go to the deadboltresponders.nu website to check if their decryption key is waiting for them, and they will be provided with a guide for decrypting their device using the key. I would like to give a huge thanks to Bleeping Computer, Responders NU, and the Netherlands Times for information on this cyber attack and, I guess, reverse cyber attack? And of course, I would like to thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Bite Sized Cybercrime. My name is Chloe Tonis, and until next time, stay secure.